The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Anarchy and yaks. Who, who, who does he think he is? Yeah. Don't you get off the couch. With tasty philosophy and deep yaks. This is Nick Hazleton with the Narco Yakitalism. Hey there, guys. This is Nick Hazleton, the Narco Yakitalist, with the 62nd episode of Narco Yakitalism. You guys will like what I've got today. This guy is great. I really dig bashing school. Wax and philosophy is fun too. But nothing gets me fired up more than somebody talking about how to run a business. So without further ado, here it is. Joshua Sheets back on. I'm super excited. I had Joshua on to talk about how to, I think it was, basically the show was how to get rich as a young person. And it was an <laughs> awesome show. I think it was it it was one of the best, if not the best shows I've put out. Um, and that was a while ago. Uh, so I'm really happy to have you back. I'm glad. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. And I'm glad to be back. And I'm more glad that you've actually done something with what we talked about. At that in and of itself automatically takes you out of the bottom 80% and moves you into the top 20% because the vast majority of people listen to uh, a tremendous amount of advice and do nothing. So I'm glad to see you following through. That was the only reason I was willing to come back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And uh, I, I didn't mention this, but you're from the, you run and host the Radical Person finance podcast right absolutely yeah we so, so you have some some ethos to speak on when we talk about finances it's uh kind of been a long time hobby and a long time profession as well so hopefully at this point i have some ideas that can be useful to people if not <laughs> then uh, i don't know what i'm doing if, if the amount of time that i've spent studying and thinking about these things can't be useful to some people then i've done i've done something drastically wrong but uh the audience says that the content is useful so i'm glad to i'm glad to have it yeah, well, I love it. I love your show. Um, I haven't listened in in a little while, but I, I always, when I listen to any of your shows, I was like, yes, this is great. Even if it's about retirement and I don't need to think about that for another 50 years, I still do. And I, <laughs> so I appreciate what you're doing and I appreciate you coming on to talk about my self-education plan. Yeah, one of the keys to any kind of life success is having a long time horizon, thinking far in advance, and it's uh, it's a big difference between even the classes. If you you can segregate in our modern society, you can segregate people based upon lower class, middle class, and upper class based upon their uh, length of time horizon. The upper class people are planning generations uh, in advance. Just think of uh, the people who you know rule the world. They've they've planned out generations in advance. They've thought they thought things through. My favorite story of that is uh, Rothschild. You know, he sends his five kids, uh, the original Rothschild patriarch, he sends his five kids out uh, to set up a banking empire in five different countries, knowing that for the rest of his life, he'll never see them again. But to this day, still, the Rothschild family has uh, an incredible amount of wealth and power, and it was all due, uh, much of it was due to the foresight of the original founder. And you can pass through each of the classes of society. Middle class people think uh, think about uh, you know, planning to make sure they have some money saved for their down payment on their house. They think forward about retirement. And so middle class people think in ter- 
different in the context of their own lifestyle, lifetime. And then lower class people are often thinking about just the next step. Uh, and sometimes that's due to just simply simple circumstances. You know, if you've got a hungry belly, you can't afford to be thinking about how what am I going to do generationally? You've got to be thinking about where's my next meal going to come from. Some of it is due to, to just simply ignoring the opportunities that are, that are available to them. But uh, the longer your time horizon can go, the uh, more you can move up through the classes of society. Now, that's interesting because I, I do try to think you know, beyond myself as well. And, I, and my dad has done this with, uh, with our work here on the farm. Uh, it's kind of our plan is, is to kind of have our little community here. And that's, that's something I always think about in my head. And I don't have it written down here because this is just within like the next uh, seven years, I think, really, is all, as far as this goes, this plan, I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's interesting. And I'll keep that in mind. Um, yeah, so I, I had you on to come talk about this self-education plan. I had Brett Vinat from the School Sucks podcast on to, to talk about this from an educational standpoint. And uh, we got into a little bit of philosophy, I think, too, on uh, you know why am I doing this. And uh, I wanted to have a financial standpoint on this. And you also gave me uh, some good tips here. And I, I believe I added this on to everything that you – I listed out on all of these these things I wanted to do. So like the yak dairy – you know, I had my materials and uh, what it was, materials, skills, and then how I need to do it, and then what I'd learn. And then you told me, well, you should also add in uh, why is it important to you. Uh, so I, I think I can't remember exactly what you said, but it, I'm thinking that this was because uh, it, it brings it more personal, right? It makes it more personal. It puts it in a great perspective, right? Yeah, if your why is strong enough with anything, you'll figure out the how. So think about uh, the example that I've never heard of a better one and the example of, of uh, if you uh, – how old are you at this point, Nick? I'm 17. Okay. So uh, you might be able to answer this, but if you're listening audience, we're a little bit older. You can at least appreciate the example. If you were a parent and you had a son or daughter or that you really cared about or if you had a niece or nephew that you really liked and you found out that uh, – that your son or daughter, your niece or nephew was diagnosed with a terminal disease, but that there is a vaccine available for that disease that can cure them. And they're going to die one year from today without the vaccine, but with the vaccine, they could actually, uh, you know, they could, they could live. And that vaccine costs 10,000 bucks and you got to earn and save the money to do it. Uh, I ask people as a meta, as a mental image, I say, if you had to, could you earn and save $10,000 in the next year to save the life of your child or a child that you like? And the answer 100% of the time is yes. And so I learned that example years ago from, from a Dave Ramsey class that I went through. And it's just stuck with me as being the perfect example of how if your why is strong enough, you'll figure out the how. Now, nobody knows how they would do it. They just know that if they needed to, if the stakes were high enough, they would do it. Whether it meant they got extra jobs, whether it meant they sold something, who knows? But they would figure out a way to do it. So the key to good goal planning is getting very, very clear on why something is important to you. And the more uh, reasons why something is important to you that you can stack up, the better. As you stack those reasons up, you will follow through if the reasons are enough. 
And then also to think through the how. If you just think through the how and you don't think through the why, you might not have the emotional strength to follow through when times are tough because the how isn't actually going to work. Uh, if you look at business planning, there's uh, studies that I've read and articles that I've read that talk about the percentage of businesses that actually uh, that, that, that succeed who have started with a good business plan. And it's much, much higher. One of the things you want to think about whenever you're starting a business is constructing very carefully an excellent carefully thought through business plan that provides for as many eventualities as you can consider. But when they've done research with those business owners who have uh, actually followed through and built those businesses, they ask them, how often do you refer to the plan? And the surprising answer is, well, not very often. And so what seems to be the case is it's not so much having the plan that makes the difference. It's having thought through the plan and thought through things in advance that makes the difference because once you're out in the war, so to speak, you know, you got bullets flying at you. You don't have time to go out and dig out the manual and see what to do. You just pull the gun and fire. So that's what business owners often are doing. But if they've thought through in advance where they're going, then they're probably going to take better shots. And so most businesses will follow a path of, of uh, you know, change where somebody will set out with an initial vision and then they'll move forward, but that vision will change, but still it's the planning. So when you combine those two things together and you've thought through very careful plans for how something can be achieved and you have very important reasons why, then you bring a lot of energy and a lot of clarity to your goals. And then perhaps the most important thing behind the why is you might find that you've set a goal, you've built a plan, but you don't really have any compelling reasons why something is important to you. And so in that case, you can just, after a while, you you might work on it. And then after a while, you realize, I don't care about this. I don't have any why for it. So why am I wasting my time? And you just quit. And that's the best thing in the world because you quit doing something that's not important, which frees you up to do something that you do care about. So it's also a good test to know, am I working on the right goals? If I have enough really emotionally strong whys. Okay, yeah, I like that. I, I have never really, um, you know, I've never really thought that through, but I, I think you're totally right. And I do try to do that, um, kind of consciously where I'm, I'm, my main goal is I want to be comfortable, right? I want to be happy and I want to make sure that I'm going down a path that's going to most benefit me, um, not necessarily financially, but, um, in gaining I guess in the long run, right, I'm shooting for happiness and, and content with my life, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, whatever that means, that's that's where I'm going for. So, yeah, I like that. I think that's that's exactly right. And I, I have expressed that on the show, um, kind of goals-oriented uh, decision-making, right, and looking at the long-term goal, like where do you want to be and uh, how do you want to feel and is this going to help you out get there? And if it isn't, then don't do it. Right. The biggest waste of time is to do something well that doesn't need to be done at all. <laughs> That's a good quote. <laughs> it's not original with me. I don't know who to cite, or I would cite them. But <laughs> it's not original, but it's, it is it is an apt quote. Okay. Well, all right. So let's let's dive into this plan. Uh, so the first thing I, I set out with was let's make a statement. With this, why am I doing this, and what am I supposed to be doing in a very broad sense? And so, you know, I wrote, this is what I plan to do outside of school because this was the alternative to going to school. Um, I will, so I decided I'm going to list all the responsibilities, goals, and actions that I plan to have and take to become a self-educated and independent entrepreneur. 
which is something that I didn't think I could do in school, right? So this is this is exactly what this plan is, is how to become a self-educated, independent entrepreneur. And being the main goal here is to live a good life. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've explained that in other shows, what that means to me. Um, so that's that's mainly what I'm thinking. And do you think that kind of fits in with why I'm doing this? Yeah. Or do you think I could get into more depth with it? You will be able to get into more depth as you start to work into this and experience it. So the key to planning is not the actual plan. The key to planning is the process of planning. So taking an initial step starts to transition you from a non-planner into a planner. So what you'll find is as you work towards these goals, some of these goals will change. Some of them are exactly what you'll you'll wind up doing and they're important and you'll, you'll achieve them. Some of them will change and you'll realize that I don't actually, you know, it, it, for example, uh, in order to live a good life, uh, that's kind of a vague and nebulous thing. It doesn't mean what is a good life, but you may not know right now. Uh, you know, I, I have, I probably have a little bit more of an idea of what a good life is than you do because I have a few more years of experience. But even me, I'm still working on my vision of a good life. So be as specific as you're able to be, but don't stress out about it. Recognize that it's going to change. And the most important thing about doing a process like this is not what you achieve, but it's who you become. I remember years ago, I heard Jim Rohn uh, talk about that. He said the most valuable thing of becoming a millionaire is not having a million bucks, but it's becoming the millionaire or to clarify it, becoming the type of person who can save and accumulate a million dollars. Because once you're the type of person who can save and accumulate a million dollars, well, you could take the million dollars away and you'll still be that person until you'll get another million dollars. That's one of many reasons why the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Because the rich are rich. They become the type of people that get and stay rich. So they're going to keep on getting richer as they express those characteristics and character qualities that help them to be rich. And poor people, for the most part, are poor people. And they do the types of things that poor people do, so they continue to be and to maintain their poverty. So you could take all of the money away from everybody in the world, uh, split it all up equally based upon the number of people that are alive, give it, I don't know, maybe a, a, you'd see after a year, you'd see some major changes after 10 years. I can't imagine anything less than 10 or 20 years that all of the money wouldn't be right back in the hands of everybody who has it now. Because the type of person who is rich is the type of person who's going to get rich again. So the important part of this planning is becoming the type of person who's proactively planning. And for right now, you've got really great start. And then next year, as you revisit this, and then the next year as you revisit this, you'll get better and better and better and better at actually clarifying the plan, and your plans will get better and better and better, and your results will start to multiply over time. Okay, yeah, I like that. And that's something that I, I try to keep in mind in that yeah my things are my plans are going to change and they have actually i hadn't visited this like for a few months before um i talked to brett Panot about this and i was going through it i'm like well no i don't want to do that anymore uh that i don't have as much i don't i haven't put as much energy as i thought i would and uh, i don't think i'm going to put as much energy in there because i don't really want to do this right now so i took it out and uh yeah i think you're exactly right that um keeping that in mind and i and i do try to keep that in mind um, okay. So, uh, yeah, I like your feedback there. And going on, moving on to the, the goals here. So I, I picked this goal, um, 
that I want to be financially independent by 25. I decided that that's, that's what I want to do. And, and this is one of those things that could absolutely change, right? I'm not going to say I'm going to do this by 25 because I just, I don't care that much, uh, at what age I become financially independent. It'd be nice to be by 25 and I think I could do it. So I chose that. And then, um, that was the main goal. And then to do that, and well, I guess it's not all to do that, but some of the things I decided also along with that is I want to be, have the first commercial yak dairy. And I said the next two years and, uh, that was, earlier this year and I found that that's much harder than I thought it would so I changed my goal um, for the next four years because I do think I can do it in four years but next two years will be very difficult um, so I changed that and then um, I also want to have a live show uh, take my, my podcast and turn it into a live show um, in the next couple of years to be on the Liberty Radio Network and then I want to have some several you know side businesses set up in the next couple of years too. Um, I decided I want to put the once a week restaurant on hold. Um, that would have been having the produce and the meat from the farm being, you know, used as a once a week restaurant. I had a decent plan set up for that and I just lost interest. Um, so I put that on hold for now. And, uh, Right now, I'm doing this, selling meat from pigs and yaks. I don't have any poultry of my own to slaughter, but uh, I just recently slaughtered a yak in the last few months. I'm selling meat currently. I'm always selling pigs, and so that's working out really well. And then I have, I'm not growing any produce right now, and uh, I will be selling fibers from yaks. So those are my side businesses. Uh, do you have any feedback on those goals? Probably the most useful feedback would be helping you clarify a plan toward financial independence. Mm -hmm. So when you say that you have a goal of being financially independent by 25, what does that mean? Um, I want to be able to sustain myself and my lifestyle while being comfortable, I guess, financially. Okay. So uh, sustain yourself and your lifestyle. So clarify what the lifestyle means. Are you living that lifestyle currently? Um, I, well, I don't know. I don't have a plan for my lifestyle, right? Um, I kind of do. I'm shooting for something very simple on the farm, right? I don't, I'm not looking for, um, extravagant cars and houses, right? I, my plan is to live in a, in a trailer that I'm fixing up. And yeah, so that's, uh, that's about as far as I've gotten with that. Okay. So the the starting place is to clarify uh, the lifestyle. And I'm glad you're thinking about this because uh, too few young men spend time thinking about this. But you want to just get clear on the lifestyle. Uh, what is that lifestyle? And if possible, you want to write that down. So if you're living on the farm where you want to live, that helps. So to be financially independent, if you're fixing up a trailer, then your initial stages are, well, I need, you know, 3,000 bucks of materials to fix up this trailer. And you want to consider uh, any costs or questions that are going to be associated with your lifestyle. So if you've got the trailer, then you've got a place to live that's paid for. You might, you're going to need some electricity. So there's 50 bucks a month for your electric costs or whatever the costs are, are that are going to be associated with your lifestyle. You want to build out a budget. And uh, when you're a young man, you want to start by saying, okay, what's a budget for me? Uh, and then you also want to say, well, what would be a budget that would be me plus a wife? And if you are able to clarify that, it'll help you to plan a little bit because the budget that you are able 
able and willing to live on would probably be different than the budget that you are able and willing to support a family on. So it's good to plan ahead for that. Uh, once you start by clarifying the uh, the lifestyle, uh, then that gives you a starting point. And so when you get to the word sustain, uh, so you said, I want to be able to sustain myself and my lifestyle. Then what does sustain mean? So there are different stages of financial independence. So one stage might be, let's say that you work out that you need a budget of $3,000 a month. That would be about a median budget. Many people in the in the country are living on about that much. And so if you are frugal, you're living in a trailer, that would give you plenty of excess spending money to be able to do things. I'm not talking about improvements that your farm needs here. It's just, you know, a, a, it would be a fairly uh, comfortable lifestyle if you and have plenty of spending money Again, if you're living in a trailer and living a simple, simple uh, agrarian lifestyle. But $3,000 a month could be a goal uh, initially for you to make in profit from your, uh, from your, uh, dairy uh, or from your uh, from your overall farm operations. And so once you have a target of a number, then what I'd recommend to you is that you make it you take your approach in stages. And so the first thing that I would have is a goal that says I want to earn my income in a way that aligns with my vision for the things that I enjoy and the things that I like to do. So for you that is the agrarian farming lifestyle. So you want to figure out how much money do I need to earn from that. Um, I'll use $3,000 a month. Is that, a, is that an okay number or you think it should be less? you think it should be more? Any guess on that at this point in your, in your opinion? Um, I think it would be less, but that's fine. Okay. Let's work with 3000 Okay. So we can, it doesn't, the number doesn't matter. The, it, it just matters that it's a, a generally appropriate number. And there's a balance between how little you can spend on and how much you can spend on. You probably, you, you're a pretty hardcore um, young man. So you probably can get away with, you know, you could live on $5,000 a year if you needed to. Uh, you could live in the trailer. You could have $20 of, 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 electricity you can you know you can live a jacob lund fisker lifestyle uh like he's he would be and i know you, i think you're a fan of his he would be a, he, a great role model you know you so you could live that lifestyle i'm using a, a more uh, comfortable number just in case you find that uh you'd like something different but that number ultimately is up to you so if you if you pick a number two or three thousand dollars a month then your first goal is to say how much how do i get to that so let's use two thousand dollars a month uh on a yak dairy, what would you estimate is your profit if you could run, um, I don't know how big your commercial yak dairy would be, but if you could run with yaks producing the amount of milk that they produce, the sales price, and let's say you had 10 milking, uh, milk yaks, how would that, uh, how much profit would that produce for you on a monthly basis? I honestly have no idea. This has never been done before. So this is I'm totally pioneering that, and I I don't know. Okay, so it's a, it's an exciting thing to pioneer it, and I love that you're doing that at this stage of your life, because you're at a place if you can live on five thousand dollars a year, you're at a place where you can pioneer this and see if it works or see if it doesn't. If you were at a stage of life where I am, you know, I'm 30 years old and I have two young children and uh, and a wife that I support. I'm not able to be quite so flexible as you are. So you, you I'm, it's awesome that you're using this time of flexibility to pioneer this. So you want to start by just taking some guesses and you figure out, okay, what is the local market for milk? And so what I would do is in, in building the business plan for something like that, look around and see what does organic uh, goat's milk sell for? What does raw cow's milk sell for? Does anybody sell uh, sheep milk in your area for people who have allergies to cow's milk? 
so you look around, you try to figure out what, what their prices are, and you look at, at yak milk and you say, does yak milk have any uh, extra benefits or any extra disadvantages? that are a real benefit or problem and you look at that and you start to figure out okay here's what i think i could sell it for i'm going to make up a number five dollars a gallon so you could sell your 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 milk for five dollars a gallon then you look and say well how much you i'm sure you have one yak at this point that you could milk so you say how much could each one produce and you start to run these numbers on it and you just play with the calculations and start to figure out could i make any money at this and you may not know. Maybe you need fifteen dollars a gallon of of milk to break uh, to break even. So, in building the concept of a dairy, uh, what would be a mistake would be to set out and to build a big building, a big you know beautiful milking barn, buy milking equipment, etc., and then go ahead and hook up uh, and then go ahead and get your yaks uh, lined up and start milking. That would be a mistake. The better thing is to see, can I develop the market for my product first and what price can the market bear? So then if you say, okay, I can sell some milk for $15 a gallon. Uh, I can sell it illegally to my neighbors just uh, off the, you know, off the records. Okay. So there is a market. Now you can go ahead the process and you can start running out uh, in business. They're called a pro forma financial statement, a projection. And you can say, if I had 10 yaks, uh, I'm going to make up some numbers here. I could sell my milk for $10 a gallon. I'm going to have uh, between my 10 yaks, I'm going to have five gallons of, per day. That's uh, $50 of, of revenue per day times three, you know, 365 days per year. That's $18,250 of gross income based upon the sale of the milk. So then you pull off of that your transportation costs. Are your customers going to come to your farm and pick it up or are you going to deliver it? You pull off of that any cost of, of maintenance. Okay, what is the rent on the land that my yaks are grazing on? What's the cost of the building? Do I need to buy milking equipment? Is there going to be an electricity cost? How am I going to do this? Do I need to hire a farm hand to help me? Am I going to milk them by hand or do I need to buy the equipment? And you start pulling your expenses off of that and you try to figure out, do I have a reasonable business that could be created? So with those numbers that I just totally pulled out of thin air, you could start to see, okay, there's $18,250 of gross revenue. So then you can rerun that and you can say, well, if I could get 15 milking yaks under those numbers that I use, then I could get to $25,000 of revenue, pull off a few thousand dollars of expenses, then I could anticipate $2,000 of profit to compensate me for my time. And so that would be, if I were in a situation like yours, that would be one of my initial goals to say, I want to spend $2,000 a month. I believe that a herd of 15 yaks could get me there. And that gives you a game plan to start with. You figure out how much land do I need, what's the equipment, etc. And that's how you meet that initial stage of funding your expenses based upon the net profit from your business. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I, I think uh, that's something I should be looking into. And uh, I will be doing that. So basically, I, I'll explain my, my plan so far. It's not as detailed as, as uh, you're suggesting. Uh, but my plan is that the next heifer calf that I get, the next female yak calf I get, I'm pulling it at whatever age from its mother and I'm bottle feeding it so that it's very friendly with me. And, and you know, I'll, that way I'll be able to milk it and when, it's, when it's mature and it has its first calf. That's, my, that's so far what I'm going to go for right now. So that I'll I'll be milking it. I'll taste the milk, make sure it tastes all right, and uh, then I'll start experimenting it with myself. You know, can I make cheese out of this? Can I make yogurt out of this? And as soon as I do it right, and I I know there's a market for it because people want it. People want to try it, and I've had many many people saying, yeah yeah, get me yak milk as soon as you can. If you do it, 
give me a call because people really do want it. So that's that's my plan right now is to see if I can even milk a yak and then I'll try and sell it and you know and then expand from there. That's that's right what I'm thinking. And that's perfect because uh it's a it's a very unique idea. It's a very unique product and you're going to have to build the market for it. And mm-hmm. so the reason I talk about building out the again to use the technical accounting term the pro forma financial statements is this is the same thing you do with any business and what you want to figure out is could this be a viable business? So let me with those additional details that you've now given to me, let me give you a couple of scenarios. If you need to raise a heifer uh, yourself from your herd and you expect you know, one female yak each year going forward, then you now know that there's no possible way, if that's your source of milking cows, uh, you now know that there's no possible way for you to be sustaining yourself four years from now if you only have you know, three milk age heifers and one little one that you're raising to that point in time because you're just not going to be able to have the volume of uh, of milk that you could actually build a business off of. So it's no problem. That doesn't mean you abandon the goal. What it does mean is that you're going to have to figure out how am I going to support myself for the next 10 years until I can build up my herd enough to have my 15 milking cows if this works. And so now that's going to focus your attention over on your established business. It's going to focus you over on your pigs. It's going to focus you over on your pastured poultry. And it's going to focus you on your vegetable production. And so now you're going to put together a plan to say, well, I've got this amount of land available to me in my current situation. I can run on this land this number of pigs. I can run this amount of poultry. And I can farm this over here and produce these vegetables with my time this is going to support me while I'm building up my yak herd towards the goal of this commercial dairy so the reason that we have to put numbers on paper is to see could my plan work in theory if it can't even work in theory as far as supporting me and my family then I don't abandon the plan I just build a new plan that's going to wind up in me supporting myself uh, and so if you've got to grow your 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 dairy one one cow at a time, it's not going to be supporting you two or four, even four years from now. So it might be, it might fulfill your goal of having a first commercial yak dairy in four years because you might have four milking cows at that time, but it's not going to make you financially independent. So that's where you're going to need to add those other products to your product line as you build out your plan. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, so one thing that I've been talking about with my father is that you know, maybe I should just buy a trained heifer already, like or a trained cow, like right now. Um, the only problem is that's like three thousand dollars, and uh, I I can't afford that right now. But you know, I could obviously take out a loan with him or somebody else to make that happen, and that would make it more immediate instead of waiting for that calf. And then you know, if I decide, hey, this is going to work, I'll buy more. You know, I I, I could possibly do that. So how would you analyze that decision to decide which is the better course of action? That is an interesting question. I have not thought about that. So, um, so how I would do it ahead. is I would, again, come back to some projections. And I, I'm i making this sound more complicated than it is. It's not actually – you're already used to doing this every day. We're already used to weighing pros and cons of decisions. I'm just 
clarifying it and trying to present it in a structured format so that the listeners are able to apply this to their own life. But uh, so let's say you look at the, you look at your cow. Uh, well, number one, you need info. Uh, do you know how much milk uh, if you were to buy a heifer that someone else is mixing? Excuse me, milking. Do you know how much milk she would produce monthly, annually, or however on whatever basis? I don't have that figure off the top of my head, but I know I could figure that out pretty quickly. So that would be the first thing to do. And I don't, I'm not connected. I don't know how much milk a cow produces, a, 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 um, uh, you know, a Holstein or, or whatever. So I, I, I don't know. So you would start with figuring out what is that dollar figure? Excuse me, what is that amount of milk figure? Number two, you look to see what percentage of the year is the cow dry. Uh, is she Does she have milk all year round or is she dry at some point of the year? Then that figures out on an annual basis how much milk you can expect. Next, you find out what is her expected lifespan for being a good milk producer. Can she produce milk for two years, five years, ten years? I don't know those answers, and you would need to check that out with whoever the farmer is that is doing that. And so that means some phone calls, some emails to other farmers, some posts in your whatever the yak forum is where you participate. You try to get those those details, and you try to figure out what is the uh, what is the income that I could expect. So what is the amount of milk that's my product that I could sell? Next, you need to look at the market and do a guess on what you could sell that for. And that's where I would look at other types of uh, organic, non-cow's milk, uh, you know, milk, sheep, goats, find out someone who's selling. Look at the specialty products that they're making and try to just make some guesses as to what it would sell for. What that will do for you is that will tell you how much of an income you can expect from that cow uh, and uh, in terms of the actual milk product. Next, look at the remainder value of the cow when her milking lifespan is is done. So what do you do with her when she's too old and she's not going to be producing milk? Um, can you butcher her and sell her? If so, how much could you expect to sell that meat for? Uh, is that $1,000 worth of meat? Is it $200 worth of meat? Um, can she have babies that you would be able to sell along the way as she's milking? If so, how would those affect the, the profit? Uh, how would those affect the milk supply, uh, etc.? So we want to figure out what's the income that we could expect from that cow. Now, let's say that we ran the numbers and the cow that's going to cost $3,000, you run the numbers through and you find out that you could expect $500 per year of profit uh, or income from her uh, milk products for the next you know, four years. So that would give you $2,000 of product uh, of profit. And then at the end of, uh, excuse me, $2,000 of income. Then at the end of four years, she's basically going to be near the end of her productive um, capacity and you decide that you're going to butcher her and sell the meat. And you look and say, well, she's going to be old, she's going to be tough, and but we can sell her for uh, and get $500 of, of, of value for the meat. Or th- then now you know that that's a losing proposition. If you have to pay $3,000 for her and you've only got $2,500 of income – then you're going to be losing money. So you're probably better off in that situation waiting a little bit and growing your own and saving the $3,000. Because if you compare growing your own from your own herd where she can produce and, yeah, it's going to be waiting two years, but now let's say the same numbers. you got $2,500 of income but $0 of outflow to buy your own calf that you're raising just the time, that's much better than $3,000 of outflow and only $2,500 of income. On the flip side, let's say that those numbers were very different. You you can sell a thousand uh, instead of uh, you know five hundred dollars a year of milk product. You could sell a thousand dollars a year of milk product, and in addition to that, 
you're going to sell some of it as straight milk, but then for some of it, you're going to create higher value artisanal products, cheeses or yogurts or something that you can mark up even more. And you've got the market for that. So in addition to the $1,000 of milk, you can add another $250 of value to the actual product. So now you've got $1,250 of annual revenue for the next four years. Plus, at the end, you're going to butcher her when she's not too old and not too tough. And instead of it being $1,000 of meat, on the flip side, she's actually going to be, I don't know, $2,000 dollars of meat. So now if in those numbers that I completely made up, you've now got $7,000 of expected income. Well, in my world, that's a pretty good rate of return. I can actually calculate uh, I can't I could calculate the actual cash flow payments for you um, uh, and tell you the actual rate of return. Uh, if I uh, took it would take me about 3 minutes to do and I don't want to do it on the microphone here. But you could run that in and say, okay, $3,000 out, and over the next four years, $7,000 of income, that's a pretty healthy profit. So in that situation, that would be a good thing to get going. And in that situation, I'd go ahead, I'd borrow the money from my dad, I'd go ahead and buy her, and I'd get that business going instead of just waiting for my heifer to grow up. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And so what I'm thinking right now, my course of action should be, because my father sells goat milk right now. So using those prices of what he does, he makes cheese and, and uh, yogurt. So I, I'm just going to – just to play it safe, I think I could totally sell yak dairy products for more than goat milk. But just to play it safe, let's say it's just not that good. So we, we sell it at goat milk prices. So I can use that, um, take those prices. I can ask some people what the yield of a yak cow is. I can figure out all those, those – that all those all that information, the fact of that in, and then – Go from there and figure out if this is, you know, which path is profitable. Wait for the calf, or go ahead and buy a three thousand dollar cow. Right, right. Okay. And, and the 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 key, I've made up numbers that are totally wild. The key is just to sit down and start playing with scenarios and start making some guesses. And You'll be wrong. You're just guessing. But then as you actually get into this business, you start to track your own scenarios. And this thought process is what's more important than the actual details. I did this one time with a friend of mine who was considering establishing a uh, a valet business. And this friend came to me and they said, I'm considering – I've been offered – he was working as a valet, somebody running for cars uh, – Presently, he was earning, uh, you know, twenty five hundred dollars a month doing that work, and he was considering establishing a valet business. He'd been offered a contract by a local condominium, and there were certain prices involved with the contract, and he knew the numbers. So we sat down and we ran the numbers. And what ultimately, I asked him. I took the income, I took the taxes, I took the cost of insurance, and just ran some simple illustrations. And what wound up being the case was that in order for him to make money. Uh, well, you know, he basically was going to be pro- if he if he worked in the business and worked a shift, just like encountered himself in as a valet, he could expect a profit of about two thousand dollars with him working in the in the actual business, which was equivalent or less to what he was making as a valet. But he was had a lot more risk, and so what came out of it was under the terms of the deal that were offered to him, it was a bad deal. And there was no rational reason for him to start that business. There wasn't enough even potential profit for it to be worth it. 
so his decision course was if he was only going to have the one account, he was better off just simply keeping his current job, running for cars and letting someone else take all the risk and all the hassle, and he just earned the net profit. He would have been making more as a valet than as the owner of the valet company. The flip side was the only way for him to make that the, the business worth it would have been if he was going to take it from one account to ten accounts. Because with one account, he didn't have enough scale for the business to work, but with ten accounts, he would. So if you sit down and put numbers on paper and start to make guesses uh, without any commitment, but just start to look through things, you'll start to realize, is this worth it? And in some cases, yes. In some cases, no. And you might find that pastured poultry is way more profitable and you're just going to go slow and easy on the yaks as a fun hobby. And who knows, maybe at some point they'll make some money or maybe at some point they won't. Uh, that's very different than saying this is a this is an awesome business opportunity. And if I just focus all my effort here, I'll make way more money with yaks than pastured poultry. The numbers will tell the answer. Okay. Yeah, I'll look into that. I think that's that's great. So what, kind of what I'm getting um, from this from from what you're saying and giving my suggestions here or giving your suggestions here is that I should extrapolate. I can't, I can't, I don't know how to pronounce that word. Extrapolate. Extrapolate. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, but what I'm getting is that I should make these plans a little bit more clear. Um, factor in some numbers, kind of figure out what is the best way to go. Is it meat? Is it vegetables? Is it fiber from the axe? Is it milk from the axe? Kind of, kind of figuring that out more because I, I don't know right now. Um, then that would be a little that would be more beneficial in looking for uh, what's going to make me financially independent by 25. Right, and okay. uh, as you put numbers in, that will help you to be able to know what is the better course of action to focus on. And some businesses will pay off long term, and some businesses will pay off short term. And you've got 168 hours in a week, and so you want to focus on both the long term and the short term. But you might find that, uh, again, I just keep coming back to pastured poultry because I've looked at the numbers and I've looked at some of those offerings. But you might find that the life cycle of being able to raise and sell some uh, pastured poultry in your market, that's going to put a couple thousand bucks in your pocket pretty quickly. Uh, And so every time you do that, you wind up with the money to be able to buy another yak. So now your plan is I'm going to work pastured poultry through while I'm building up my herd. And then on the flip side, the herd is going to be a lot less work and a lot easier to handle than dealing with chickens. And uh, uh, so it, it's just looking at the actual numbers are going to help you. Okay. Yeah, I like that. And I, I like that kind of putting that in a frame of mind. So that's interesting. This fits right in with the meat stuff too and, and, and all of these selling vegetables and selling fiber. No, yeah, that, that fits in perfectly. And uh just kind of yeah, I think that's man. I don't know what I'm I'm trying to say, but it's I, I get it. I get it. I guess that's what I'm trying to say, and I think that's I, I really appreciate that awesome. information. So I'll be, <laughs> Once you I'll get it, you can that. apply this to every business from here on out, and you'll you'll start to know is this worth it. And so again, the key is not the details. The key is the process. Uh, and this is what investors do. Investors sit down, they look at a deal. What's my potential upside? What's my potential downside? How long? How far? And they figure out. Well, here's what this is worth to me. That's how uh, stocks are valued. This is how businesses are valued. This is how real estate is valued on a commercial commercial basis, you sit down and figure out what's the income, what's the expected remainder value, uh, how long is it going to take, is there money going to be required, when do I get, am I going to get my money out, and you work with these cash flows and you figure out here's where my best opportunity is. Yeah, all right. 
Okay, yeah, that totally makes sense. Okay, let's move on to like well, I don't. I think these don't really fit in from a financial standpoint, but um, at least especially working with the Libertarian Party of Oregon. That do you have any feedback on that? No, if it's something that's important to you, the key is just to understand. Uh, here's what I want to do. Here's why it's important to me. Here's what I'm hoping to accomplish. And here are the ultimate goals that I have for my involvement. And it's okay for something to be casual and it's okay for something to be serious. So you've got to recognize in life there are always two costs to every decision. There's the cost now and then there's the opportunity cost, which is what you're giving up for doing something. So casual involvement with the Libertarian Party of Oregon might mean I go to a meeting once a month that allows me to meet some other people and I enjoy having a political uh, conversation with people and I like these people. They're the kind of people that I like to hang out with and it helps me establish a broader market. A libertarian free market person is probably more likely to buy my um, off-the-books illegal goat or yak milk versus somebody who is in the local Democrat party. That's probably the case. So maybe you're building up a market. That's very different than you saying, I'm going to take over over the local and run, uh, you know, you have on here, I'm going to establish two local county parties. Well, maybe that to, to actually do that might mean 30 hours a week of work or 40 hours a week of work. That might be worth it to you because that could be something that you really enjoy. It's a really useful thing that you're doing. Maybe there's enough income that you can live on it and make it worth your while and you establish yourself as a local political force and uh, and oh by the way it only takes you 20 hours a week to run your yak business. Uh it's all a matter of what's important to you. So try it and just get involved casually first and if you find yourself leaning in certain directions then invest more heavily and invest more time and that's where you adjust the plans. Uh, as as things go on. Okay, yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to do right now. Is I'm I'm slowly getting involved a little bit, and uh, I'm picking up some more responsibilities in the, in that, and uh, as it goes, and yeah, trying to figure out exactly how it's going to work. And it's totally fine just to do things casually for fun. You don't have to have a grand plan for everything. <laughs> I feel like sometimes sure. I'm, I get I intimidate people. Like, I gotta have a grand plan, but just you do want to <laughs> assess what you're doing. So. In years past, before I was involved in, uh, before I was married, I was involved in volunteering for some local nonprofit organizations and some different things. At this point in time, I've pulled out of every single one of those because they no longer fit my priorities. At this point, my number one priority is working with my family, raising my children, and building this new business. So at different times, different things will fit into your life differently. And so just test different things. You never know. Uh, a broad exposure to many different aspects of life will ultimately result in you having more opportunities. And it's always better to have more opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. So the next thing on this part of, I think it's my goals, yeah, goals section is know how to run a household. And this totally fits in with what we're talking about. So looking at my lifestyle, um, this is exactly how I'm, I think I'm going to learn how to do this. And so this is, this is mainly the thing that my dad told me to do and I didn't think about it when I was making the plan. He, so he suggested that, but it totally makes sense now and I'm glad I did it because um, this is something everybody needs to learn, right? How to pay bills, um, how to do some basic repair and maintenance on a house uh, and that saves you some money and uh, know how to keep a house sanitary and, and as well as maintain and repaired. Uh, and then making this, this thing is 
the last part here, make life comfortable for the rest of the family. Uh, that was because I'm here all the time. And since I'm here most of more than anybody else, uh, I'm likely to make the most messes. So make sure I clean up after myself. Um, so I think those are valuable things uh, to learn. And I think that's totally going to play into uh, what you suggested in, in really kind of planning out what is your lifestyle going to be like, or at least looking at what do you think it's going to take. So this would give me some basic figures to go off of, I think. Right. So those are basic skills. And I would think these skills are complementary to the business things that we've been discussing. So number one, at 17 years old, at this point, I would expect, if you're not already, I would ask your dad to consider, at this point, you should be responsible for all of your personal uh, expenses uh, and all of your personal income. So instead of your mom or dad buying things for you, uh, at this point, I think it's a good practice for you to be responsible for those purchases and collaborate with them because they could give you insight and encouragement that would help you to know uh, – how to make how to get a good deal, but uh, if they but make sure they're sending you money, uh, giving you the money if the, if they're still contributing to your lifestyle and supporting you, have them give you the money and give the money back. Um, you should have a checking account for your personal expenditures, and you should have a checking account for your business expenditures, and maintaining those things, learning the basics of accounting, learning how to maintain and balance your checkbook register or an electronic equivalent of it, and learning how to keep track of everything, and then on the business at this point. You should be filing tax returns for your business, so Schedule F for your farm operations. You should be uh, keeping, if you have a, another micro enterprise, you should be keeping records on that, filing that as a Schedule C, and getting used to building your detailed uh, knowledge and experience with the uh, with the financial side, building these financial statements out, learning how to run a profitable oper- operation. Uh, the numbers do not lie, and I've worked with some farmers, and one of the things that's very challenging, the farming business is challenging to keep your books knowledgeable because your expenses are, and your income is so lumped. You have big expenses all at once, and you have big income all at once. So you really got to be a master of the books, otherwise you wind up running a nonprofit operation, in which case, what's the point, um, unless it's just doing it for fun, but you want to be running a for-profit operation. And I would encourage you, have your site set not on just making $1,000 a month, have your site set on uh, making a, a really nice white-collar uh, income from your farm. I always loved that Joel Salatin talks about that, encourages people, you know, have, don't, don't, don't settle for this $22,000 a year of profit. Um, build a business plan for your farm that's going to make you $100,000 $150,000 a year. And the, important, the thing that's important about that, it's not about the money. I think of it as it's about fulfilling your potential. And I my personal opinion, feel free to disagree or consider this uh, and, and see if you agree. But in life, we should all be working and, and laboring to work with excellence and to do as much as we can, to go as far as we can, and to be as excellent as we can. Uh, so, you know, a tree grows as tall as it can grow, an animal grows as big as it can grow. And as individuals, we should be working to do the best that we can do. It's a very, I think, poor. Uh, it's a very poor reputation, and it's a very poor lifestyle to know that you're capable of something, and not do your best at it. So you get to choose what you're doing. That's why you choose things that you care about. But if you're going to be a yak farmer, be the best possible yak farmer that you can be. You know, don't be a schlub who just does a little bit and then 
doesn't do anything further. Like work with excellence and that builds a really good reputation. And one component of that is the financial model. And if I were involved in a scenario like you are, I would be very concerned about the financial model because the way that you're going to promote libertarian values and the way that you're going to promote the you know the, the things that are important to you you're going to promote uh, organic farming you're going to promote uh, agricultural practices that are going to heal the land instead of rape the land the way you're going to do that is make it attractive and so if you can only figure out how to make a thousand dollars of profit from a business that's not attractive to uh, to smart intelligent people but if you can create a hundred thousand dollar a year income from a farming business that is attractive to people so when i interviewed curtis stone on my show many of my listeners have taken the information that he shared and followed in his in his footsteps but he's making eighty thousand bucks on a third of an acre of land that he doesn't even own if he were making ten thousand dollars of 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 uh, income on an acre that he had to mortgage himself to the hill for it wouldn't work and so we've got to build these things out and and it's all part of the fun game. Uh, the numbers are just a way of keeping score, and they're a useful metric. Uh, and if you look at the impact, you can have impact being poor, and you can have impact being rich. Uh, you're going to have more impact being rich. So there's no reason not to focus on building a very efficient operation and building a business that's going to really do well. And that will allow you to multiply your impact in so many other areas. It'll be attractive. Libertarianism, if you're, if you're broke and living in a van uh, because you have to, not because you want to, that's not really very attractive to people. Uh, but if you are you know, <laughs> Joel Salatin, uh, his libertarianism is attractive to people. Uh, and, but success is attractive. So I would encourage you just to be open to upward potential in your business. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And for a, a while, you know, I was really set up because I was mad that people were um, criticizing me so heavily for for leaving public school. Right? I was like, you know, <laughs> going into farming, Nick, you can't do that. You're going to be poor for the rest of your life. And I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to show you. I'm going to show up to your house someday in, in my nice car, and I'm going to show you. And and I decided, you know, as I studied philosophy and stuff, I like I don't. I don't need to care about that, and and there's no reason I I should care about what people are talking about because I'm confident in my own plan and I'm confident in where I'm going, and uh, and I decide that I'm not going to make money a priority, but um, if there's an opportunity to go for it, yeah, totally, I, I am open to that, and I think that you're exactly right. Um, being having having more affluence and having more wealth. And being comfortable in your lifestyle, especially, uh, that's something that is attractive, and that's totally what I'm shooting for. Is may- maybe I'm not going to be uh, making three figures a year, and uh, but I'm not going to be upset about that as long as I'm living a comfortable life, and and I can be an example of somebody who is living living a, a comfortable life. Um, so that that's kind of my my mindset there. But I, I think you're totally right, shooting for best potential, right? And I think that there's a lot of potential in in yaks. Um, where it might be a fad though. So that, that's where I'm kind of standpoint. My standpoint is maybe I'll be rich. Maybe I won't, but I'm not going to be like stressed out if I'm not. No, definitely. Okay. So yeah, I, I, I really think that, um, that was great information. How, how much, uh, how much more time do you have? About five more minutes. Okay. So let's, let's cut this real short. We don't need to go over most of this. Um, but the one thing I would like to have uh, your input on a little bit is um, my plan B. Did you read the plan B? I did. I, 
Okay, so I mean, obviously, I, I, when I wrote this, you know, I was like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to write this plan. So I was a little bit, um, I wasn't really thinking it too much through, but I, I have thought this plan through, and I think that um, I still think that I'm right here. That uh, everything that I've got going, this is I have a, I have a variety of business ideas, and I think that it's it's enough. Um, what do you call it, diversity? That I'm, I think this could work. So I, I was being a little bit facetious when I say none, these, or death. Uh, but what is your thought on that? What would happen if you uh, fell down the slope while you're out trying to find the new baby yak that was born and broke your back and you could no longer walk? It, my point is, and sure. no need to answer it, just illustrative of the fact that plan Bs are valuable and important. Uh, things can always happen that could adjust things. So I don't think necessarily at this point, uh, you've got so many options here that are associated with it uh, that I don't think you need plan B. I don't think in terms of plan B, I do think in terms of if this doesn't work, then what? Uh, if this doesn't work, then what? If this doesn't work, then what? What would I do there? And in my mind, it's valuable to accumulate a list of potential other things that you could do that would be useful uh, and and fit your potential lifestyle. So uh, I, it, I admire the idea of, you know, these things have to work. I admire that because that's often what keeps people focused when it doesn't look like things are working. Businesses usually are tough and there's a point in time where you're like, I just don't think this can work. And your confidence and your belief is often what will drive you through. But also good backup plans might help you to uh, to be able to be willing to do other things. And it's not so much when you make a plan, you can always change the plan. And that's why I focused on the planning process. So in our first discussion, I really emphasized to you, make a plan because most people don't make a plan. Then now that you've made a plan and I admire that you've actually followed through, that tells me something about you. So now... I want you to focus on the process of planning and really understanding the process of goal setting and planning. Because once you identify that process, then you know and you can apply it to other areas of life. And having a having backup plans is valuable and is important. And as you look around at the opportunities that you face, as you look around at the things that are before you, what you might find is that there are a number of different options which are actually going to integrate with your life goals. At this stage of your life, I would expect most of your decisions to be very binary. It's either this or that. And that's expressed in what you've written here uh, with regard to like it's either this plan or it's or nothing. As you continue through life, you might find that you can integrate and implement more things together and that things are not always so binary. So you might be able to find that as you pursue different things, you might find that somebody offers you a job working as a libertarian activist and you get to travel Oregon uh, and make 40000 bucks a year encouraging people in political principles that are important to you. And you might recognize, because you look at the yak business and say, you know what, this is fun and I like this, but there's very little commercial opportunity. And I just there's and there's a reason why there are no commercial yak dairies here where I live. I'm just going to go ahead and keep my yaks as fun and I'm going to focus on 
this other thing that I really like and that's really valuable to me. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, your goals will change. Your situation will change. Uh, if all of a sudden, you know, your mom and your dad got sick and now you had to step up and it, you've got to run the goat farm and you've got to care for them and they're both bedridden, that would dramatically affect your plans. But you would step up and you would take care and you would be the man of the house and you would take care of the household. But that would affect your plans. So, I wouldn't worry so much about, okay, I've written out a plan B. What I would do if I were you is just keep lists of things that interest you. Keep lists of potential ideas. Keep lists of uh, jobs that would be fun. Keep lists of business ideas that you hear. Keep lists of lifestyle choices that you think are appealing to you. Keep lists of ideas. And then reference those lists sometimes. I I keep a a file called Someday Maybe. I learned this uh, trick from reading David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, years ago, and I found it to be useful. Keep a keep a someday maybe list. Eh, someday, maybe, I might want to reference this. And as you do that, you'll accumulate, accumulate ideas. And then if something hits you in the face where all of a sudden circumstances have changed beyond your control, now you can look at that list and you can have something to transition into that might also be a good fit and still allow you to continue working towards your goals. Okay. Yeah, I have no issue with that. I I think this was a fantastic show. I really appreciate the the input and the suggestions and the advice, man. I it's it's awesome to have you on again to talk about this. This was this was great. I admire what you're doing. Uh and so I'd be happy to if you want me to come back in the future, I'd be happy to do it and keep in touch and keep sharing with me uh your progress and the things that uh you're doing. I admire uh, I admire the work that you're doing and uh I hope that uh I hope that in many ways you know, I have a I have a two-year-old son, and I hope that uh, my son is as entrepreneurial and forward-thinking and aggressive as you are uh, when he is at your stage of life. I really appreciate that. And yeah, I hope we keep in contact, and, and we should do another show in the near future, uh, especially when I get some more things rolling in. Uh, so quickly, uh, I guess it's, it's your time crunch, so you can plug your show and, and everything you're doing. Yeah, my show is Radical Personal Finance. And so the best way to find out about that is uh, just simply search the app store on your phone for Radical Personal Finance. You'll find my free app that has my show. Uh, I do it Monday through Friday, in-depth, hardcore financial planning. And my intent is to provide somebody with all of the tools and education that they need to go from financial dependence to financial independence. Uh, and on my sh- on my show and also on my website, uh, on my website, Nick, you and some of your listeners might also uh, like to look at the stages of financial independence that I've developed. Uh, there is a show I can't remember it right now. Uh, the the exact show that is uh, with the with the growth, but uh, I've written out seven stages of financial independence. So financial independence, we were talking earlier, is somewhat of a nebulous concept for many people, but I've broken it down into seven stages so you could work toward it sequentially. Uh, and it's not such a big nut, a big number. Uh, so that might be something that some of your listeners who are interested in financial independence might uh, enjoy looking at at RadicalPersonalFinance.com. I can't give enough props to Joshua. I love his show. I need to listen to it more often, but his advice is great. Definitely check out his work, Radical Personal Finance. Look it up. I'll put it in the show notes. You'll love it. We focus on my situation mostly here, but this really can apply to any situation. The main thing I got out of this show was the planning aspect, which is mostly what we did talk about. Uh, Having the most basic plan is super helpful, even if you don't follow it. Like I said earlier in the show, uh, I've promoted goals-oriented thinking. Figure out what you want and go for it. 
If you don't know what you want, that's fine. Start at basic feelings that you want, like joy and or being content with your situation. Then build from there. It can be pretty hard, but it's so useful. I think it's fun, too. I don't have much to say other than that. I'm still moving. I did hit some irritating barriers this week for making any sort of, sort of progress. Our basement flooded a couple of days ago, so I've spent the last few days dealing with that. Uh, I've been having a hard time practicing stoicism and viol- nonviolent communication uh, this week. Uh, I've been complaining like a toddler a lot lately, which I don't like. Part of it is that I want to do my own thing uh, away from everybody else, but I have other obligations like helping my family clean up the basement, which it's unfair of me to expect that I don't have to participate, but it's been kind of irritating me recently. And uh, the other thing is that I don't like living with my parents. I don't, you know, I I love them. Don't get me wrong, uh, but I'm ready to get out. Yeah, I know what you're saying. You're going to miss it someday, buddy. And you're probably right. I'm, I'm trying to appreciate it as much as I can. That's just been kind of irritating recently. <laughs> I'm sharing this because, like I've said before on the show, I think that I should share what it takes and the struggles I face using the philosophy that I promote. So, I mean, that's just, that's just what I've been dealing with recently. With that, thank you for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you, especially those that help out the show. If you'd like to help out the show in any way, you can like us on Facebook, uh, the anarcho Yakutalism podcast page. You can share and like the post of this episode. That'd be really great. You can also like and retweet on Twitter. You can follow me at Nick Hazelton. Uh, I'd love and be thankful to anybody who wrote a review on iTunes or liked us on Podomatic as well. You can find the anarcho Yakutalism podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podomatic, and yak.com, that's an-yak.com, or the Liberty Radio Network at lrn.fm. Once again, thanks for listening. This has been Nick Hazelton with the Narco Yakitalism. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details